Hi, this is Amanda Burse, also known as Marcy Rhodes Darcy. This is David Faustino. Uh, I think you know me better, obviously, as Bud Bundy, uh, a.k.a. Grandmaster B. This is Juliet Tablack, also known as Marcy's niece, Amber. And you are listening to... And you're listening to... The the Mary Mary with Children Children Podcast. Podcast. Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a woman? No Man Presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children Podcast. Welcome back to the Nudie Bar, everybody. This is our Season 9 wrap-up show. And if you're a virgin with hormones a surgeon, keep on your undies and come to Anna Bundy's Virgin Hotline. <laughs> oh, I have to keep that number in mind. Uh, no, nah, I kid, I kid. I'm, I'm not real life Bud Bundy. <laughs> anyway, uh, my name is Matt. And while I'm still really angry that my favourite show, Psycho Dad, was cancelled um, and plan to, as soon as the border reopens, go to Canberra and get it uncancelled, I did manage to, however, get a nice date with a hot bird called Amber. Mm. Hi, this is Luigi. And being on this podcast is like 20,000 leagues under the sea. Except I'm married to the giant squid. <laughs> <laughs> And I've got half a mind to go over there and give you a piece of it. (laughs) So this is the Married with Children podcast, of course, and we are wrapping up season nine already. So it's myself and Matt and Luigi. And yes, sadly, only three of us could make it today. But you will hear from the other gentlemen, I'm sure. So please stay tuned because we've got a lot to talk about. For instance, we've got to talk about our favourite episodes of the season, our least favourite episodes. There's a lot of events in the show itself we need to to discuss. We could talk about our favourite podcast episodes. Are there any Hall of Famers this season? And we've got our usual check of hot chicks, guest stars, and other little things that have cropped up. Over the past season, we can talk about that down the line. There's quite a few callbacks, for instance, to seasons past. And we've got podcast-specific things to discuss and just show things to talk about. Before we get into our favourite episodes of the season, and maybe our least favourites, a lot of things happen in Season 9. I think the first thing we noticed straight away are a new yep. set of credits with a new hairstyle. Yes, um, what I refer to as the great haircut of 1994, namely Christina Applegate getting her hair trimmed, or so say cut between um, the end of season eight and the start of season nine, so sometime in the summer of '94. Mm-hmm. She did. That was quite a big cut, and some people probably weren't happy with it. Some people probably welcomed it as a a new change. But I think a couple of episodes ago, I think Luigi, you and your your, your mate from back when, <laughs> Mr. B, you were talking about that because how you used to talk about it in the past. Oh, did you see her? Did you see Kelly's hair? Oh, yeah. 
And uh, like, you know, as I noted on that podcast, it was something that uh, I didn't appreciate at first when I was uh, 16, 17 years old. I liked the long hair, but uh, uh, speaking in the present day, I'd say that I do like the uh, haircut as is. And uh, as a special surprise to our listeners, uh, Mr. B will be on in season 10. Oh, very good. All right. Yeah, I wasn't uh, the the. I remember the haircut in real time as well. I it obviously didn't stay with me, but watching it in hindsight, when I would watch the, the whole series at once uh, in the future, I thought, "Oh, this is when Kelly cut her hair." I was. It's a shame to lose that lovely blonde hair that she had, and but I'm not like a horny teenage boy or anything, so it didn't really affect me too much. But in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> the beginning of season nine when the short hair, especially in episodes like Driving Mr. Boondy, she looks really hot. And just that sort of that bob length hair that she had, I thought that was good. It was a good cut because, um, you know, I think Stephen mentioned it in the last couple of episodes. She's older now. She's becoming a woman instead of, you know, just a teenage bimbo. So she needed a cut eventually. I felt it was inevitable. I'm not too crazy about her hair when it's really, really, really short. But the haircut itself, it was absolutely fine in my book. Yeah, I, I think for me, though, Annabelle, it's just it's, it's hair envy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got quite a bit of hair. It's long and it's thick, and I'm not rubbing your face in it at all. I'm just saying it's, it's quite burdensome sometimes. So it doesn't affect me. But for, yeah, I guess for you guys with the bad chapter, eh. Yeah, you know, I mean, we do a lot of ball jokes. I mean, I know that this is a carryover from the Dan Chase days um, <laughs> when comments were made about uh, hair. But, I mean, for myself, I was probably, I was about 16 years old when I started to get, uh, you know, receding hairline. I mean, it's genetic for me. I mean, it's almost inevitable. So, like, I was very self-conscious about hair. And I think for myself with women, like, I like women with lots of hair. <laughs> I think it just may be me compensating for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I started losing my hair when I was 19. Um, so, and like you, Louise, I like women, women with long hair as well. I've always found it rather attractive on a woman ever since I was 13, if not, bef- if not before then. Uh, who knows? Uh, but I just find it rather hot on a woman when she has long hair. Uh, but yeah, so I've lost almost all my hair now, but it doesn't really bother me. It just means I can eat, dress up as Al Bundy a bit better. Well, I mean, the thing is, he's not as bald as uh, either you or I, right? No, no, no. <laughs> uh... So um, another change with Kelly at the top of the season is we say goodbye to the Verminator. And what do we think? Do we miss the Verminator after a whole season of Kelly and her new career as an actress? She's actressing now. Do you guys miss the Verminator? Whether the ads or the costume? I miss the ads, because I, I feel like they did a really nice job with those in Season 8. I definitely miss the ads as well, and um, I do like the Verminator, but I, I mean, so uh, I'll, I'll say I miss it. However, um, I don't think continuing the Verminator would have affected the quality of the show, the rest of its run, that much, if you get my drift. Plus, it is natural for a show as long-running as Married to Children is to have character development, um, especially for younger characters like Kelly or Bud. Yeah, yeah, and this is a season of change, I feel, because after we say goodbye to the Verminator, which is something that we mentioned on the Driving Mr. Boondy podcast, that Christina Applegate was not terribly fond of that character, perhaps, and she said, look, enough with the cape. So 
Kelly's now got this career as an actress which will carry on through seasons 10 and 11 with varying success and we'll get to that when we come to it but in episode four we get introduced to some new characters and episode five we get introduced to two more new characters but in episode four we get the introduction of Al's sidekick at the shoe store Griff and the introduction of Marcy's niece Amber. Now, we had the very distinct pleasure of interviewing Amber herself, Dr. Juliet Tablack, and she's an utter delight. So anyone who has not listened to that interview, please go back and listen to it. Luigi and Chris got to interview her and talk to her. And yeah, you guys, Luigi can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, that was, uh, I'll tell you, an amazing experience for myself. Uh, it was my first interview of someone who had been on the show. And, you know, we have, uh, I mean, Alex had interviewed someone else in the past, and we've been been able to interact uh, recently with a few people who had been on the show. So hopefully we'll get more interviews in season 10. But what I will say, I mean, I think she just had an amazing story. So Juliet Tablack had a truly amazing story. It is our most highly listened to podcast episode for season nine as of this recording date. I mean, she, uh, our, our statistics on, uh, on Dr. Julia Tablack's interview are by far four or five times what we have for listenership from our, uh, our normal episodes. So I, I, and that makes total sense. I mean, it's, it's just, that's what it is. I think people wanted to hear I guess if they're fans of the show, they'd be more interested in hearing something new than maybe hearing us rehash episodes and talk about them. So I thought that was uh, fantastic, and we hope to get more of those. Uh, but she's just an amazing person. But I'll just say she's an amazing person, has a great business, great outlook on life. So you should check that out. Definitely. Would it be fair to say that's the most watched or most downloaded episode ever? No, I believe the Amanda Burse episode. Oh yeah, and also we have to, you have to look at it from the perspective of how much time has it been out there. The Amanda Burse episode has been out there for a few years now. I think like she's in the thousands of uh, of views, <laughs> uh, so maybe uh, uh, Juliet's will be uh, with time as well. Yes, with time. Yeah, that's fair. So I guess that just proves to us that we just need to get everybody we possibly can on the show and interview them. We'll try. <laughs> yes, we will try. Yeah, we already have one lined up for next uh, season, so we hope you guys all tune in for that. We're not giving up any names early, though. No. <laughs> Got to keep some secrets in the relationship. Dr. Juliet Tablack is fantastic, and we also get introduced, as I say, to Griff, played by Harold Sylvester, and to date we have not interviewed him, but, you know, one day. There's still time. Um, yes, Absolutely. He has an open invitation. <laughs> and then the next episode, we get introduced to Gary, Al's boss, and the lovely Miranda. Miranda Veracruz de la Hoya Cardinal. Hey, congratulations. Well done. Did I, did I say it right? <laughs> yes. Si. Even with the accent. Si, senora. <laughs> Excellent. I can't roll my R's. But if I just say it the way I can hear her saying it, then yeah. And she's another one we'd love to interview as well. Gary is played by the late, great Janet Carroll. 
Right, so what else happened in this season? Uh, Tom McClyster also. Oh, yes, Ike, of course, because yes. there's five new characters. Yeah, Ike we see for the first time in um, A Man for No Seasons, the baseball episode. Yep. And he's Sergeant-at-Arms, and they're putting Griff through his man training, so that's implied that Ike's been there for a while, even though we haven't seen him. Yeah, he must, Ike must have joined off-camera. Absolutely. We were introduced to Bob Rooney in season eight. I think Ike came in between season eight and nine somewhere. Yeah, sometime off camera, around the time Kelly got a haircut. (laughs) But uh, what else happened in this season, Matt? Your favourite show, Psycho Dad. It got cancelled. I know. How dare they cancel Psycho Dad? It had been a fixture of TV since 1990, dang it. Yes, uh, Psycho Dad is sadly cancelled thanks to Chicken Legs, I mean Marcy's crusade against it. And, uh, well, Alan Nomad, they are very unhappy. They are steaming. And, oh, hey, what what do you do when a show gets cancelled? You go to the nation's capital and demand to get pulled back on. Go to the Senate. Well, they tried, didn't they? They tried, yes, and uh, they made a good case for Psycho Dead to come back. But looks like, you know, standing in front of the TV, ch- TV channel when the freezing doesn't do anything, uh, or even, even when Al um, left his name in the um, ground with, in yellow, yellow fluid. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and yeah, DC did not go well either. They, they <laughs> I remember the Senate were more than happy to contemplate Psycho Dead over things that actually mattered. <laughs> Yeah, but we get we get a little bit more backstory on Jefferson in that two-parter. We do. So I do appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, one of the things, like I, I felt on on those two episodes, the what I, I I didn't think that the script itself was good. It was as good as some of the other episodes. But what I thought about it was the what they were talking about, the satire, how they were satirizing American politics. I thought that was good. I, I feel like the script could have been uh, maybe a little tighter, but I, I did appreciate how they satirized, you know, again, <laughs> us, I could say, you guys can say that, right? <laughs> <laughs> but they, I think, did a good job of satirizing American culture and, you know, our morals and values and what people have in, you know, our taste in television, right? <laughs> yes. T I. <laughs> <laughs> Some, something. Yeah, that's fair to say, and that's <laughs> that's why I wanted at least one of the of the American hosts to join us. Joined me and Matt for that one for that two parter, and we got Chris and Tyler. And I think those podcast episodes turned out really well. There was a lot of very interesting discussion and somewhat timely as well. Yeah, very timely. Yeah, like a post. I mean, we're talk. We're in twenty twenty one now. We're talking post January six. I mean, go back and listen to those two episodes. There's it's it's lengthy, but it's it's worth the listen. I think, and I really wanted that American input on those episodes. I think we ranked part one slightly higher than part two. Interestingly enough. Yeah, well, part one had an average score of 4.25. Part two had an average score of three and a half. Tyler gave part one a um, five. He only gave part two a four. Uh, yes, whereas uh, you and I gave it a lower score than the Americans, Anna. Slightly. Just slightly. slightly yes. So we see Nomam in that two-parter as well. And we were introduced to Griff earlier in the season. But I think on reflection... Griff perhaps wasn't 
used as much as we either thought he was going to be used or not as much as he should have been used. Is that fair to say? That's fair to say. Yeah, that, that was one of my comments, uh, you know, when we were putting uh, the these show notes, uh, the wrap-up show notes together. You know, mm. I... I, w- I thought, I was like, oh, well, last season we were introduced to No Ma'am. And I'm like, oh, you know, it's season nine. Yeah, that's the season when you start to see them, like, pretty much every episode or every other episode. And then once we got maybe about three quarters of the way through, I started thinking about it. I'm like, you know, we really haven't seen them as much as I thought, including Griff. And mm-hmm. I guess that is more as a feature of season 10. Yeah, I think we, we we see them a lot in season ten. How how many? How much? And is it oversaturation? We'll discuss in about a season's time. But yeah, I think in season nine it's not as much as you think. It's just uh, some episodes are no mem heavy and some aren't. We also get that introduction of Officer Dan being fully involved with no mem as well, which is yes. Crazy. I, I mean, ju- just looking at the episode list, no mem was really in you saw them in for example a man for no seasons and they were also in the naked the dead but mostly the naked but beginning at the middle of season nine kelly takes a shot through the end they're really not that prominently displayed i mean they have maybe a couple of scenes at most for example in shoeless al Mm. but most of the other episodes there is no appearance of them so it's almost like they weren't used at all and then finally in season 10, you know, they, I, I think they make their grand appearance, you know, for the next two seasons. Yes. Uh, I just brought up the um, picture of the D- season 9 DVD cover. Um, the one in Australia has uh, Super No Man Season, includes six classic No, no Man episodes on the front of it. So, uh, <laughs> they, they, at least in Australia, they really plugged the No Man this is the season here when the DVD was released back in 2008. Yeah, but that's six out of 26. That's true. It is the, it's only a fifth of the season, yes. Right. Yeah, I mean, if it was 12, I'd say, okay, that, that sounds better. I mean, that sounds what, what I would think it would be. But six is not that significant when you look at the, I mean, again, 26 episodes. That's true. I think they were trying to find a way to differentiate season nine from the rest of them, and that's what they decided to go with. Uh, it's like season ten; they highlight the spring break two parter, for example. But yes, I think I had a role to play in getting most of the show released in DVD here because I pirated it not long before. I think they probably subconsciously got them to release it officially. <laughs> I mean, one one of the comments I had made, uh, actually two comments I had made in season nine, have to do again regarding No Ma'am. Number one, Griff was shown on screen during the user-friendly episode, but he had no dialogue. So he was helping untangle that uh, the mass of wires, mm. but he had absolutely no dialogue. And until we reviewed that episode and I see him, I'm like, wait a minute, you know, there he is, but he isn't saying anything. And then in Shula Sal, Ike is not a part of No Man and not part of that bowling team. And it's like, well, if he was a member of No Man, shouldn't he have been there? Because right, that's, you, you would expect he would have been part of that bowling team. Yeah. And, you know, so the, th- those were like some of those things that's like, ah, oh, you know, I never realized that. You know, I never noticed that. And again, you know, this is we're following Alex's formula of doing these things in order, right? Yeah. <laughs> now, from a production code perspective, obviously, what I'll say is season nine did get jumbled up 
uh, starting around mid-season so that uh, the the airing order did not follow production code order, but doesn't account for you know why they wouldn't use those particular characters, especially if, you know if, if we associate them as a group. But then if you go back to the when these things originally aired back between you know the um, 1994-1995 season. It's like okay, well, they were it was sort of building up to it, and now, like we you know, we're reflecting on them in hindsight. I mean, we also have the luxury of having watched these things dozens of times over the last twenty-five years. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, some would say we watched them too much, but um, no, there's no such thing as too many viewings. Never. Speaking of too many viewings, <laughs> in season nine, Married with Children celebrated its two hundredth episode. That's right, and yeah. that's. Quite an accomplishment, and I think for, for back then and nowadays, a lot of shows are reaching that milestone. But it's getting rarer at the same time. Where you, when you see more shows, you know, perhaps not on network TV, they only have a limited run. So, in early 1995, Married with Children celebrated its 200th episode. It aired on February 5th, 1995, and was followed by a special hosted by George Plimpton, called Best of Bundy. Now, that special and the latest special, My Favourite Married, are not reviewed on the podcast because they're special episodes. But, you know, we could always do something with all the specials down the track, maybe. But uh, Get the Dodge Out of Hell, that's a special episode because after being away for two whole seasons, we get the return of Steve. Yes, uh, I can hear Jerry cheering right now in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, pause for applause. (laughs) So Steve comes back. He has like a record amount of time with his entrance acknowledgement applause. And he checks his watch. That's pretty cool. So Steve's back and he's got a bald spot. (laughs) He does. I just just said that to get a reaction. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, one thing is in uh, in Radio Free Trumaine, Steve does the exact same thing. He does check his watch when you first see him on camera. He does. I, I can't help but wonder if they were expecting him to show up in that one because the applause is um, enthusiastic, but certainly not that we've already seen. So I'm just wondering if he got announced beforehand or not, whereas in the 200th episode, his entrance was very much a surprise. Yeah, I think it would have kept it a surprise for the number 200, especially. And because, I mean, I mean, there wouldn't have been too many people, if any, who would have gone to both tapings. That's the thing. This is a milestone in the show's history. And we get to know what um, the re- real colour of Al's car is. I'll just say that. Listen to the episode, but <laughs> we find out what the real colour of Al's Dodge is. Yes, and there's a, a sweet moment with Al at the end with a, an early picture of the Bundys. And it says, for your Emmy consideration, thank you very much. And I'm like, what Emmy consideration? <laughs> the Emmys were rigged. Well, you know, when um, I, I did the title cards, uh, so when you, if you go, when you go onto YouTube or if when you're in the, uh, when you click on the links, you see like the title card for the episode, we choose one. I chose that specific scene because to me, it's like that was the one that captured, at least for me, like that episode. Yeah. For your Emmy consideration. But uh, unfortunately, they they were never honored the way that they should have been honored. At least in our opinion. No, and there was a lot of conversation in that podcast. I think Jerry 
and or Tyler mentioned how elitist the Emmys can be. And that's something I've always said about the Emmys. Some of some of their recipients and awards and whatever I agree with. But largely, I mean, the Emmys for 2021 have just aired a, week, a couple of weeks ago. And again, it's still elitist. I mean, they don't like change. They don't... It's, it's frustrating. And they, I say elitist because they often go to, you know, the very classy shows or they not necessarily folk, um, pay attention to shows like Married with Children where people have blue-collar jobs or, you know, live in poverty or whatever. But, you know, we've seen it this year where The Crown, for example, they won everything in their category. So, you know, it's like the whitest show on television as well. But, <laughs> no, I'm not going to get into that. I'm just saying I agree with what was discussed in that podcast. Yep. Anyway... So Steve comes back in Radio Free Trumaine, which was another attempt at a spin-off. Yes, I mean, I'm not sure why Married to Children always pick the random episodes or um, really obscure ones for spin-offs. I mean, Top of the Heap, Enemies, Radio Free Trumaine. I mean... If he didn't leave for Broadway, maybe they could have had a Steve spin-off in, say, 1990 if, he, if David Garrison didn't leave for Broadway. Well, you know, the comment that I made on Radio Free Tremaine was that if Steve Rhodes was the dean of Tremaine College, was the intention that if it did take off, was he supposed to be a regular on that show? Mm. And and then the question would have been, he likes doing Broadway, which is in New York. Yeah. So, I mean, it, if you're working on a Broadway show, it's impossible for you to get out to the West Coast. I mean, if we ever had David Garrison on, <laughs> that would be a big if. That would be like a question we would ask. It's like, hey, like, what was the intention and what would have your commitment have been had it uh, come to fruition? You know, and, and what I'll say about, you know, the spinoff attempts, yeah, I think that Top of the Heap and, uh, I mean, again, we haven't gotten to Enemies yet, but I will just mention it here. I feel like both Top of the Heat and Enemies, when you look at the actors acting, they are overacting. Mm-hmm. Radio Free Trumaine seemed a little bit more natural. Again, and I'm not saying it was uh, very, very natural. I think Kerry Russell did an excellent job of grounding that episode. Mm. I mean, she was the most, to me, the most believable in terms of her performance and how she delivered herself. I mean, the guy who played Nikolai was overacting. A lot of the Married with Children actors were also a little bit of overacting there as well. But um, that, I think, is what makes it the better of the three, the best of the three attempts. Even, I know people hate Top of the Heap. I, I sort of like the idea of Top of the Heap, but I felt like what killed it was the overacting. It didn't feel natural. It's like they went out of the gate, Joe Bologna and Matt LeBlanc, and, you know, I mean, it's not to fault them, but it just didn't, it didn't click with me. And I did watch Top of the Heap. I did watch the series. I mean, whatever mm. it ended up being, like six episodes. Yeah, six episodes, seven. yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, seven, yeah, my six, bad. seven episodes. Yeah, it was, um, like I said, it, it, could, it could work. It, it could have worked, but uh, that's what, uh, it didn't have, I guess, the realism that, you know, in, uh, that married children had in its early seasons that, you know, appealed to me. Yeah. I agree. I don't, I think the the idea there was something there with the idea, but I don't think the show had legs at all. And like you say, really unnatural in its acting. <laughs> um, yeah. And you're, yeah, because you're right about Radio Free Trumaine. I think the two guys and April, they seem very natural. 
relationships. But Kerry Russell, as you say, she just seems like a natural and she would go on to have a really good career. And uh, one of the, the guys who works in the radio station, one of them went on to Grey's Anatomy. And I think You're McSteamy, that. as you call him? Yes. You call him McSteamy, right? Well, that's what the show, quote-unquote, calls him. So he's McSteamy because oh, okay. like, he, he really buffed up. And I also saw him in another show called Euphoria. That's the one with Zendaya. And we see everything of him in that show. All right. Okay. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. I was going to say, we, yeah, okay. We usually have, uh, you know, hot, our hot chick segment. So I figured maybe <laughs> that's your hot guys segment, Annabelle. Yeah, I, I didn't actually make a list of the hot guys, but I can could go through them real quick. But we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> in terms of hotness, I suppose the show is not really directed at someone like me. It's more about you guys. Yeah, definitely someone like me. Um... I mean, I've, I yeah. mentioned this before. Some of my mates, if they were 10, 10, 15 years older, they would have been regular viewers. I'm positive. Oh, yeah. So yeah. In, in, in that spinoff episode, uh, they do a nice callback to the 200th episode where Steve was a limo driver and then he becomes dean of the university. And that's not the only instance of, you know, an, you know I harp on about continuity a lot. That's not the only instance of some actual good bits of continuity in Married to Children for this season. Because there's other callbacks, one of which is a callback to Luke Ventura. Because in the episode Pump Fiction, where Luke Ventura gets his name and his picture shown in that episode. And of course, he's the we, haven't, we literally have not seen or heard from this guy since season one. And to me, like, I, I, I would, it would have been nice to have... like. Uh I, I I don't know what the relationship was, but it would have been funny, I think, to have him on the episode, like almost as a rival, at least have a few lines. Like think, think of it like I could almost picture a scene where like they're in a convention hall right, for, for shoe news. And it's like and he would be like, hey, Al, it's like, uh, isn't it great to be me? Right. You know, like one, one of those lines. <laughs> Like, like, in other words, almost have like a follow up to it. I mean, that to me was like a like a lost thing. I mean, if you're going to mention him. It's like, wouldn't have been great to do that. And of course, you know, Puggy Weaver. <laughs> yes. Uh, There's another great callback in season nine. The late, great Puggy Weaver. Your yes, favorite. Yes, indeed. Yeah, we, you know, we didn't get too many comments about that. Uh, I, I was expecting maybe the fan base to comment a little bit more on Puggy. Oh, they might. I don't know. They might have said, who is this guy? But um, it, it's it's pretty self-explanatory in the podcast and the episode itself. But I guess people just don't see him as the great opera character that you do, Luigi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, we've upped the ante on the production of these things. I mean, we now have, like, you know, opera music, all right? Poke, in that episode, uh, Pokemon references. Pop, pop music. <laughs> yep, that's right. I, you know, we'd love to hear people's comments on that. You know, we do spend a lot of time trying to produce these things and hopefully make them entertaining for you, uh, for the listeners. So we hope... Uh, we like to hear more. It's like, you know, do you like it? Do you don't like it? You know, you just want to hear us talk or uh, you want to be entertained. Yeah. And if you've got an eclectic taste in music like I have, you're going to love the the old sitcom theme songs with, you know, a bit of Pavarotti or whatever. So it's it's great. And if you grew up at the same time I did and also love old TV and old music, you're going to love the episodes I edited. Um, the Puggy Weaver episode, Shoeless Owl, involved, as I mentioned, an exchange between the Pokemon equivalents of Al Bundy and Puggy Weaver. 
<laughs> that gets us to the end of the season. So even though I mentioned it at the start, and then we went through the whole season, and, and keeping that in mind with everything that's happened over season nine, I'm going to ask you guys what your favourite episodes are. So should we maybe do a, a top three and an honourable mention of favourites and then maybe one or two least favourites. Alright, so uh, Matt, kick us off. So is this um, podcast episodes or the whole season? Uh, the season episodes. Okay, so, alright. Fa- favourite favorite three? Okay, well, the first two tied first between Naughty But Nice and No Pot to Peas In. Naughty But Nice for well being the introduction to the amazing Amber. Perhaps my favourite character in the show that isn't one of the main um, main characters, that isn't our Peggy Kelly Bud Marcy Steeble Jefferson. And uh, just her, how Bud gets lucky in that one. And also No Pot to Peas In for the hilarious par- um, show of a show. It's a direct rip off of the Bundys, a parody. Uh, how it was based off a of Sanford and Son classic from the from 1975. Uh, yes, uh, as for a third one, that now I, I love those, but uh, just trying to think of a third third one because none of the episode in this season comes that close to those two. But uh, if I had to put a, I'll give I'll give a shout out to the driving Mr. Boondy. Well, I like that one because uh, I, I happen to work at the Department of Transport uh, here in uh, in Australia. So uh, working for the Australian version of Bud's work uh, means I you know can relate to the whole driving test stuff and and just the amount of bad drivers you see here. And also, you know, Al having to get his license back, that's obviously gold in itself. So that's my top three episodes for this season. Very good. Luigi, your top three. Okay, so not very different from Matt. I would say my number one is uh, Naughty But Nice. I thought that that is, was an excellent, excellent episode. Very well written, very well acted. I also like the sets. Like one of the things I forgot to mention on that episode, which I think I mentioned later, there's a ballroom scene where they're dancing and it's in black and white. And I just, uh, that was one thing that I regret not asking Juliet Tablack about a little bit more. Uh, I thought that that is just, it was just, it was just done so well. I mean, the camera angles, the music, you know, the dancing part, it, it, it really added to like this romantic piece of like what's going on in Bud's head. So I, I really say, and that was our one Hall of Famer. Uh, so, I mean, no surprise there. No Pot to Peas In also. I think that uh, the fact that it was a meta episode and there was like just so chock full of goodies. I mean, I think for the geeks like us, <laughs> they really enjoy it. <laughs> uh, I think I, 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 I didn't give it a five. Like it was, I gave it slightly less as did Alex. So I'd say that is our big honorable mention for season nine but that i mean that's my number two and number three is user friendly i i uh i think it was uh again another amber episode uh what i really enjoyed about that was sort of the the joke at the end <laughs> uh and um you know i'd say you know, my thing with uh julia tablek i think you know what made her one of my favorites for season nine is the smirk that she gives. If if you look at her facial expressions, you know, she says a lot when like she's wants to give Bud his comeuppance, 
you know, just through her face. And, and that requires some talent as well, you know, because a lot of times you don't need dialogue to get a point across. And I think that her body language was great. And I, I really enjoy that. Uh, it's almost like that smirk when she leaves the uh, control booth. <laughs> She's like, okay, here you go, big boy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, smirk on her face as she leaves. And also the technology involved in it. Uh, I think I'd mentioned you look back on 1995 what we saw in there was like science fiction and you know looking at that episode today it's like well yeah i mean there you could pretty much do exactly what they've what we see on the tv show which they made almost like a science fiction set but pretty much today you can actually do that so (laughs) although uh we haven't replaced women yet right (laughs) with technology (laughs) not yet yeah, you know, remember Annabelle, right? You know, it's like you can't take a battery home to meet your mother. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <Yeah. laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> very good. Um, very good. Very good. As as for my top three, um. Again, it's going to be a bit repetitive, but I think I'm going to have to go with my number one pick as No Pot to Peas in for all the reasons already mentioned. And it's just something I would love to ask Michael G. Moye about one day, if given the opportunity ever. All the reasons you said. And it's almost a Hall of Famer, but not quite. And I just love the all the meta references. And, you know, I... I always like it when shows either reference themselves or send up themselves. I always find that very appealing. Um, So that's a favourite. It's got to be probably my top pick for season nine. My second pick, I think I might have to go with Get the Dodge Out of Hell because it's the 200th episode, so it's a little bit special. I've got that little sweet moment at the end with the family and uh, people, you know, remember that the Dodge comes out a different colour. That's, that could be a moment in the show's history. And we get the long-awaited return of Steve, of David Garrison. And he's just he's just milking the hell out of it and in the best way possible. And I like that we get a little bit of Steve and Jefferson and, and Marcy all together again. Because we we've seen that literally once before in The Egg and I. We get a little bit of it in the pirate episode, but this, they're being fantasy characters. So it's nice to see Steve back. Yes, we see him again, but here it's much more special, of course. And I think with my third pick, I think I will have to go with Naughty But Nice. That is a true Hall of Fame episode, as you said. I think it's our only Hall of Fame episode in this season. Some have come close. This is our only Hall of Fame episode, and all four of us who are on the episode gave it a five out of five. And with good reason. So it's, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, the, these latest seasons that focus on Bud heavily, they work very well. Whether or not it's just letting David Faustino blossom as an actor or there's just a lot of stories with Bud you can do, whether it's relating to his schoolwork, but mostly it's going to be about him trying to score with chicks. And we're introduced to the famous Amber, who... I think I've appreciated more over the last year compared to watching her on the show in back in the day in, in real time. We get introduced to Griff in that episode too. He is another character that I've come to appreciate more over time. And I think Harold Sylvester is a wonderful actor. 
but Griff was never really a favourite of mine, but now I really like him a lot. So that's they're my top three picks, and I'll give a honourable mention to another Bud episode, Dial B for Virgin. I really like that episode too. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I would agree too. Cool. All right, so they are our favourite episodes of Season 9. What about our least favourites? This could be interesting. So maybe one or two, or if you've even got three least favourites, you can tell us your least favourites. But Matt, what is your least favourite episode of Married with Children in Season 9? All right, Anna. So I was looking over the episode list, trying to think which ones didn't stick out for me. Because for me, there aren't any real, real bad ones. So it's more a matter of which ones don't stick in my mind as much. And having a look, uh, sorry, David Garrison slash Steve Rhodes, but Radio Free Tremaine doesn't isn't as good as the others, and it definitely is not as good as the other guest episode in this season. Uh, we already met, discussed, you know, you know potential spin-off um, spin-off and uh, just it isn't really firing as much and uh, as, a, as a standalone show I can't see it working very well so by semi-default that'd be my least favourite of um, this season but uh, having a look see most of the season I still liked so they aren't really real real um, stinkers for me in this season because most, se- most of this season I still like at this point in time we haven't got to season 10 or 11 yet so I'm sure I have some words to say about some of those episodes uh, <laughs> come next year um, come 2022 uh, but yeah that's the main that's the main one uh, having a look at the episodes here that uh, it seems, comes as my least favourite uh, yes because I'm yeah that, that's what I'd say uh, yeah Okay, fair enough. Uh, Luigi, you've got any least favourites of this season? Yeah, so I'll I'll go in order. (laughs) Uh, So number three would be The Naked and the Dead, but mostly The Naked. That was, um, I mean, it was a one-track episode. I understood the joke, but it wasn't, uh, it didn't do much for me as an episode. Then, surprise, surprise, number two is Radio Free Tremaine. And um, again, as an episode, I uh, I wasn't too pleased with it because it's truly not a Married with Children episode. It's a pilot episode uh, for a show that has Married with Children characters in it. So uh, that's uh, that's what I uh, not not on top of my list. Uh, the the first one, number one in terms of my least favorite, in terms of sitting down and watching it would be, and bingo was her game I sort of get the joke, but it's like, uh, I, I just felt it was missing something. I mean, I almost like the B-plot better, which is Al and his buddies getting drunk <laughs> in the garage <laughs> than, uh, than the actual, sort of that, the plot with uh, Peggy and Marcy uh, at the bingo hall. It just, uh, you know, and maybe it's just a genre, maybe that, you know, maybe I just don't like bingo, <laughs> but uh, uh, not one of my favorites. Fair enough. Fair enough, Luigi. As for myself, if I go in reverse order as well, no, actually, I won't. My least favorite episode of this season is not to be a broken record, but it is Radio Free Trumaine. Unfortunately, I mean, despite the appearance of Steve, like you say, it's it's not a true Meredith Jordan episode. It's an episode for an attempted spin-off that features our favourite characters in very limited use. 
especially Al, he enters the house and says like one thing and falls asleep. Which is kind of me watching this episode. There's a lot of good stuff. There's there's a couple of good things in there, like Marcy saying Steve's full name, Marcy having an orgasm, uh, having the first appearance of Carrie Russell. I mean, all that's interesting, but it's not a true Married to Children episode. Then my second least favourite, I think, has got to be And Bingo Was Her Game-O. That was an episode I rated fairly low, and that would have been my lowest rated ep- episode of this season. Personally, I, th- I, s- I described it as filler, and I think Stephen Scott went even further and said it wasn't, it was, I agree with Annabelle, it's filler, but it's not filler so much as completely burnt out, burnt out of ideas. And, <laughs> and I forget the wording he used, but that's how, if you look up his comments on that episode on the Facebook page, <laughs> it made me laugh. It was, he, he was, you know, it's like, don't hold back, Steve, Shh, tell us how you really feel. So, yeah, I'm just not fond of that episode. It's very silly and it's filler and it's, um, again, a couple of good bits. And I don't hate it. It's just not a favourite. For a third favourite, I'm I'm looking at the rankings overall to help me because other than those two, nothing really stands out as being bad. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, like, uh, Tyler and um, Stephen rank Kelly Breaks Out as... Uh, you know, I think it's our, our least rated episode. I, I yeah, I wouldn't have gone that low with the scores on that particular one. I mean, it's not not terrible. No, and they've done that with last week's episode as well with the undergraduate that rated half a point better. But I think if any of the three of us and Chris were on either of those two episodes, those scores will be different. Because I was looking at those, and they're our two lowest rated episodes other than Radio Free True Main, and. Yeah, I wouldn't rate them quite that low, but I'm sort of like, yeah, if I had to pick something, I'd probably go with Kelly Breaks Out because it's very silly and that bald cap she's wearing is not convincing at all. I mean, there's, yeah, I'll, I'll go with that, but yeah, I, they, I wouldn't they, give it they a They get one. enough for makeup. Yeah. yeah. They get enough for makeup on that one. They <laughs> <laughs> <Me> do. Yes. <laughs> other than that, all the episodes are enjoyable in my book. So, we're not doing sex points anymore, are we? No, we lost track of those some time ago. At least I did. No, um, usually, I think what we came to the conclusion is that Peg usually wins anyway. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I think I think it's just fair for us to declare uh, Peg the winner of sex points for season nine. Although, I think, quite frankly, there wasn't a lot of sex that happened in season nine. I don't think there was. Uh I kind of relate that to how much screen time Alan Pegg have together or, you know, Alan Pegg-centric episodes about, you know, there's no anniversary episodes or anything like that, are there? Well, the, the, well actually, no. Oh, there's, there's one, sorry. Years. What do you get? So there's one and and that did happen. Yes. And it did happen. So, and I think that's probably the only that, one. Yeah, other than that. So so Pegg won the point. <laughs> there's there's <laughs> Dalby for Virgin where they do it in the cupboard as well, so... Right. Yep. Yeah, but other than that, and also in the naked and the dead, but mostly the naked. Yes, that's right. Yes. So there's three. All right, so three points. Three, and three for Peg. Peg. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so we jump from sex points into hot chicks. All right. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, and, and I just want to point out, you know, I think this is uh, one of the things, uh, you know, Jerry, when he was on Radio Free Trumaine, it's, it, you know, had started the tradition he noted about, you know, who was naked, who had appeared naked before being unmarried with children. Yes. <laughs> so I, I feel like this is a, one of the, you know, this is a holdover from, uh, you know, I guess we're continuing that tradition, Jerry and Alex. So we hope you appreciate it. <laughs> yes. And I've got to say, I, I have stopped looking up naked chicks on the internet. So if anyone, any of these ladies has posed nude, then I'm not aware of it. And I'll leave that to you guys to discover that on your own because you'll have fun, I'm sure. Anyway, <laughs> I'll read out a list of um, L- Luigi's pro- provided me with a, a list of all the the standout hot chicks from season nine and in order. All right. So in episode one, we have Tawny Katane as Dominique. And just recently, Tawny Katane passed away a few months ago. I'm very sad. So number two, in episode two, we have Nicole Nagel as Heidi. Episode four, we have the one and only Juliet Tablack as Amber, and we have Heather Dubrow, or as she was back then, Heather Page Kent as Sharice, and Kirsten Holmquist as Breezy. And in episode five, we have Terry J. Vaughan as Connie, and Gretchen Palmer as Lucille. Episode seven, we have Monica Creel as Esther. And Rhonda Aldrich as Judy. I suppose she was uh, Esther's mum, was she? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Episode nine, we've got Alex McLeod as Carrie Pease. She's the Kelly-like daughter. And Rochelle Swanson as Woman One. And Amber Kelleher Andrews as Woman Two. She was credited as Amber Van Lent back then. Episode 10, we have Hilary Anderson as the Cigarette Girl. Episode 13, we have Barbara Baldieri as Sexy Woman, uncredited. Uh, Episode 14, Brandy Ledford as Brandy. Yep. Or Brandy Sanders, as she was. And the the two, the only, Lethal Weapons as Rocky Mountains. (laughs) Episode 15, we have Catherine Olsen as Beth, the Archer. Episode 18, we have Lisa Stahl as Gretchen. And Mary Garippoli as Julie, and Kim Anderson as an uncredited party girl. Episode 22, we have Elaine Hendricks as Sandy, and she was David Faustino's girlfriend at the time. Episode 23, we have Shay Marks as Colleen, Wanda Akuna as Babette, Vina or Veen El Arkarashi as Eileen. And Dawn Eason as Darlene and Alicia Choice. Alicia Choice as Justine. And in episode 24, we have Kerry Russell as April Adams. So, all of those nice, lovely girls, who is your, who are your favourites? Oh, okay. So, aside from I think Am- I can guess who's your, who's your top favourite, but give me a list. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was about to say, uh, aside from Amber, the first one that sticks out to me is Heidi from Driving Mr. Boondy. I mean, we've got a lot of, uh, as I said, hot birds in, in this season, but uh, yeah, I quite liked um, her character in Driving Mis- Mis- Mr. Boondy. Yes, um, I thought she, she thought she worked pretty worked pretty well in that episode, especially with the old detours and the driving test and going to Oktoberfest and whatnot. 
Yes. Uh, oh, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember all, all of them now. Uh, there, were, there were quite a few. Uh, obviously, the um, P's equivalent to no pot to P's in. Uh, of, I mean, the, obviously when they're like this, watching themselves on TV, and she's just as dumb as Kelly is, and. <laughs> Yeah, just looking up now, uh, yeah, yep, yeah. uh, the, um, Kelly Pease character, um, or Carrie Pease, uh, yeah, yeah, Ke- Carrie Pease, yeah, she looks, um, pretty much, pretty on the money there as a K- Kelly clone, uh, uh, other standout birds, uh, yeah, like I said, they're all pretty, they're like the, the mate. <laughs> birds! <laughs> <laughs> well, bird is a bit of, more of a, is, it must have been, it's more of a British, what I saying, chick. Yeah, I just want all the all the podcast fans to say, as like, I'll tell you, I've been learning a lot <laughs> about language. It's like, you know, just like George Bernard Shaw said, you know, like the um, Americans and Brits are two people celebrated by a common language. Like, <laughs> they forgot to mention the Australians. Yes, because um, Australian <laughs> slang, for those that don't know, is its own thing, but it's also got quite a few British and American influences. The latter especially true amongst younger Australians. Yes, a lot of Australians do use a fair bit of American slang. But anyway, so uh, those are the main sort of stick out. But I just, well, in all fairness, I probably have to refresh myself and some for some of the uh, some of the others because I've I've seen all season nine three times each. But uh, yeah, the main ones that stick out for me, uh, aside from Amber, uh, Heidi, and Carrie Pease. Yeah, well, fair enough. Well, the ones that stick out to you, they're obviously the ones that that stick in your mind for a reason. So yes, yeah. So. <laughs> Luigi, who are, who are some of your favorite season nine birds? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in terms of the birds, right? Um, and, and, you know, and one thing I will say is about uh, myself watching Married with Children at the time. I, I was never really, like, into, like, just oogling over the girls. And uh, all, there, but there were a few standouts, and there was one in particular that really stood out to me. And I did mention that on the podcast. But um, I guess if I have to do my top three, I'd say number one is uh, I just make sure I have her name correct, and that is uh, Gretchen. It was Lisa Stahl on uh, the Ship Happens Part One episode. She's the uh, cruise director who comes in, mm-hmm. blonde, you know, the really tight outfit. You know, she's you know, very, very beautiful. Uh, my number two is Juliet Tablack as Amber. You know, she just really had like that girl next door look. Uh, and actually, all, the, all three that I've mentioned have not posed nude. <laughs> and I'd say number one is Carrie Russell. I'd say like, you know, once when that opening shot of Carrie Russell on, um, you know, the first time I saw uh, Radio Free True Maine, I was just like, Wow. Uh, like I said, I, I normally don't say that, but I mean, obviously, honorable mention, you know, Nicole Nagel, like you mentioned, Tawny Katane, you know, thought she was gorgeous back in the day. Um, also want to mention we have uh, at least one Playboy playmate. I think Nicole Nagel wasn't Playboy uh, as uh, in Shay Marks in episode 23. And she appears again uh, in um, in season 10. I think the way that she looks on screen in season 10 is much better than she looked on um Pump fiction, yes, but but those are my, but those are my tops. Very good. That um interesting because <laughs> um if you want a, a woman's opinion um my list is going to be very similar to yours, Luigi. So I'll go for my number one. I will go with Kerry Russell because 
she is gorgeous and it's nice to see her before she was famous but looking we look at it in hindsight and even when I first watched this episode properly for real I'm like oh my god that's Felicity and remember if you you ever saw Felicity you know you see this this gorgeous girl she had all this like fabulous long curly hair and one day she cut all her hair off and it was a thing I remember. Yeah, it's like Felicity. I, cut I her protested hair as well. I I, yeah. I I I had one of those signs up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I just um, and like as you know, uh, Annabelle. Just uh, real quick. I mean, remember, like I said before, it's like I like women with lots of hair. I think that's what it was. It's yeah, like she had the most, you know, wildest, curliest hair, and it's like wow. Oh yeah, it's very attractive, and and she is very attractive, and and she looks exactly the same nowadays than she did on the show. She hasn't aged much at all. If you if you watch the Americans or um, anything else that she's in, <laughs> it's it's unmistakably her, except her hair is now short. And uh, just quickly, uh, I've just rewatched all of Third Rock from the Sun, and I relived the moment where Joseph Gordon-Levitt cut his hair off. And when I was young and I saw that for the first time, I was devastated. But he looks really cute with short hair, but back then I was like, "Oh my god, he cut off his hair!" Hello, how do you? So things like that, and we're talking about hair at the top of the show. I mean, it can—it's a thing. It can be a thing. Anyway, my other two hot chicks for season nine, I gotta go with Amber because Juliet Tablack is just a fantastic person, and she's a woman after my own heart. She's into you know women's health. She's got cats. She's a chiropractor. You know things I like and and she just seems like a really great person as off the screen and I've come to appreciate Amber more on the screen and she was a really good recurring character for Bud and my third pick is 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 also Lisa Stahl as Gretchen the cruise director so like when the door opens and she's just standing there she's wearing this tight matching top and bottom and like she just looks so like perfect and really cute and just like this this outfit that she's wearing just accentuates her great figure. And I thought, oh, wow, she's a babe. So they're my top three as well. And I've got to give a special honorable mention to Tawny Katane as Dominique. Because like you say, back in the day, she was the thing. She was that rock chick in the Whitesnake videos, for instance. She she would do splits on cars, on the hoods of cars. And while, when yep, she was back, yeah. oh yeah, back when she was dating <laughs> David Coverdale, but again, Luigi, she's got a lot of red hair. <laughs> but she passed away um, not too long ago, just right after we her episode got released. The Shoe to Heaven episode was released. She passed away, so uh, I just wanted to give a special mention to her. Yeah, and, and it's a shame that she, you know, had to. Go, you know, she did a lot of plastic surgery on herself. I, I didn't think it was necessary. No, not at all. No. No. I mean, I, I remember watching her uh, on the new WKRP in Cincinnati uh, in the early 90s. Oh, yeah. Uh, she played Mona Mona by Night, right? Mona Loveland or Lovelace or something like that. And, uh, you know, that was one of my draws to the show. I think she had a great character, but just a beautiful woman. Yeah. Okay, so they are our hot chicks. Yeah. And actually, you know, before we move on, I do want to talk a little bit about uh, Meghan Markle. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Speaking yes. of hot chicks, although we cannot refer to her as a hot chick in this review yeah, no. because she was, <laughs> she, she was uh, about 13, 14 years old. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, on the 
on the lead up to the episode, the undergraduate, uh, you know, we have this little segment we started called the Married with Children podcast Rewound, where we highlight a past podcast episode. I mean, we have over 200, what is it about? I'd say 220 or 30 episodes when you count all of our bonus episodes plus all of the series episodes. So this is the, uh, like, for example, uh, the undergraduate was 209 uh, this is a wrap-up show, but if you add them all up, I think that's what we get to. So we try to highlight them. So back in Season 7, in the Christmas episode, uh, our co-host, uh, Chris Gunter, uh, discovered that she was one of the kids who was taunting Al when they were singing Bundy the Nomad. And um, that was the first instance that we could find of her having uh, any screen time on television or film. So we thought that that's one of the exclusives that uh, came as a result of the podcast. But in the last episode of season nine, The Undergraduate, uh, she is, you can clearly see her sitting on the stage. (laughs) And there's a few shots of like Kelly uh, standing right next to her. So Christina Applegate is right next to her while she's on the stage. She's in two parts of the stage. So it's just interesting to see, you know, someone who has become (laughs) news, now part of the British royal family. Now a uh, you know on on this uh, trashy TV show. <laughs> <laughs> well, that trashy TV show is well. Her father worked on it, of course. That's how she was in in the show. Um, her father is the director of photography, Thomas W. Markle. He's been in the news himself because of his daughter and her now husband. But we'll leave that for the tabloid trashy press to make an issue of. Yeah, but it's it's just interesting to see. Like I think, like you know, once. You look at Married with Children as a pop culture icon and you look at it, you know, you know, now you have the hindsight of many years mm. and you go back and look and it's like, wow, like, look, I mean, people like Matt LeBlanc were on it, uh, uh, you know, people yeah. like uh, Larry Car- Storch, yeah. you know, Me- Megan Markle, and uh, Carrie Russell, Anderson, before they were Carrie famous. Russell, yeah. you know, and, you know, they had their, you know, few minutes in the sun and it's almost like, I, I wonder if like, it's something where they're proud that they were on it or it's like, oh yeah, like I remember that face in my life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I, because, you know, I think one of the things with Married with Children is that, you know, the, I, I think when we get to the end, you know, over the next two seasons now, uh, the question is going to be, it's like, has it aged well? And has it, you know, like what will people's reactions be not just today, but maybe 10 years from now or 20 or 30 years from now. You know, there are some sitcoms, like I've mentioned before, like The Honeymooners that have aged very well. You know, now, like, you know, someone looking at them, I mean, the the opening episode they're talking about, you know, uh, of The Honeymooners, the classic 39 is about getting a TV set, right? (laughs) So it's not, uh, like, that doesn't, may not resonate with people today. However... The storylines, it's like if it's if it's the TV, replace it with, huh, I don't know, like an iPod, uh, an iPhone watch or something, right? Like, does that, does the dialogue still work? And, you know, does the sentiment work? And I guess that's one of the questions with Married with Children. It's like, well, it was a pop culture show. You know, it was a little bit off color. Uh, you know, are people's uh, sense of humor going to be the same? You know, and mm. it's is it going to be considered, you know, in good taste or poor taste, you know, 10, 20 years from now, et cetera. So for someone like her, you know, if, if you know, if, if you ever had the opportunity to talk to her about this, like what would her opinion be, right? <laughs> I, I, I think she has mentioned, she has said that she grew up on the set of the show. Mm. 
but I don't think anyone's really asked her. It's like, well, <laughs> how do you deal with the off-colorness? I mean, from my, my perspective, I think that she just has a great sense of humor. I think so. I'd like to think so because she did become so an actress, well. so she probably consider this as as a great training ground. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, to me, the thing that's the funniest is, like, you know, imagine, like, you know, I think what they describe is her coming, you know, to, to the set in a Catholic school uniform because she was going to a private Catholic school in Los Angeles mm. and, you know, being on set with Tracy Lords <laughs> <laughs> or or Lethal Weapons yes. know, in this particular, in this particular uh, season, right? Yes. Yeah. So um, are there any other uh, guest stars from this season that we want to mention? And um, we mentioned Larry Storch in passing, but he's... he's He's a big, well, he was a big star back in the day, but um, I'm trying to think of other famous people who played themselves. I think this season he might be the only one. What about Gilbert Gottfried in Ship Ship Happens? Uh, Yes, of course. I knew there was someone. In 25 years and what do you get? You have um, uh, Ian Gomez in that scene as one of the uh, guys in the uh, car wash. Oh, in Get the Dodge Out of Hell, yeah. That's, excuse me, get yeah. the dodge out of hell, excuse me. We we have uh, Michael Faustino was in that episode as well. Yes. Let's see, we have uh, Ron Howard's mother, and, and, and Bingo was her gamo. Yep, and his brother. And, and, and his brother, that's right. User-friendly, we mentioned her as one of the babes, but Elaine Hendricks, she was... I, I, I was going to give her a special mention as well, because um, she was not a scantily clad babe. She was, you know, one of the research assistants or whatever she was there and like i said she was david faustino's girlfriend at the time um and she got the part on the show herself she auditioned for it and without his help and you will see her again in season 11 yeah i mean besides some of the models that we mentioned right i think that's that's pretty much it for season nine it's either models or it's sports stars so if you look at a man for no seasons and dud bowl we've got some famous athletes that's right we have joe morgan mike piazza Mm-hmm. Uh, Brett Saberhagen, all the sports guys. I know, I always forget. I'm not a sports guy, but we always forget those. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> always, always forget do. Them. I know if Chris was on, he'd be like, no, no, I was like this guy, you know, he, he would, he would uh, point them all out. Well, yeah, I, I'm not a sports fan either, and I know less about, I probably know more about American sports than I do Australian sports, but I have no idea. But Mike Piazza, I've heard of him before, so that must that must show how, how big he was and is. I think uh, Joe Morgan, I think he's another one who passed away not too long ago, around the time that his episode dropped. But in that episode, we have Joe Morgan, Mike Piazza, Brett Saberhagen, Danny Tartable, Frank Thomas, and Dave Winfield. And in the episode prior, in Dud Bowl, we've got the fabulous Bubba Smith in, as a repeat spot, this time playing himself. And we've got Hacksaw Reynolds, Kenny Stabler, Lawrence Taylor... And Rod Martin, for some reason, I think he's uncredited in that episode. Because I'm just, I'm just looking on Bundyology and it says, uncredited? Yeah, probably no dialogue. That's why, yeah. So yeah, models, guest stars, sports people, athletes, people before they were famous. And you're you're gonna, always going to get them every season on Married with Children. Yes, you're, like you do. Uh, and, a, and a comedian, obviously, Gilbert Gottfried, um, who was already no- known before this, before this season. So, considering all that we've discussed, and looking back on everything that's happened in Season 9, um, there's other things we could talk about, you know, um, that was mentioned in 
uh, certain podcasts, perhaps the show was changing a little bit, perhaps due to the influence of other popular sitcoms, other popular TV shows at the time. We could get into that, but I'm just thinking, considering everything, the big question I want to ask you guys is, did season nine jump the shark? How about I go first? So, in my answer, no. I mean, as I mentioned many times before, I found Married to Children until until at least the last two seasons always tended to find ways to somehow bring new blood into it. Whether it was No Man in season eight, Jefferson in season five, managing to recover from that horrible number kid in season seven, and uh, in this case, Amber and the expansion of No Man, and also Gary and Miranda in season nine. So. My answer is no, because at this point they were still managing to bring new life into the show and not um, have it backfire. We dragged down, like I said, meeting Al, meeting Al's boss Gary, Miranda the reporter, more no man, it's shenanigans, and obviously, well, Brooklyn Nine-Nine fans say, Rosa, Rosa, Rosa. I say, Amber, Amber, Amber. So, my answer, no. Very good. Luigi. I'd say that my answer for season nine is no. However, I do feel like uh, we're in. Sh- we by the time we get to the end of season nine, we enter into shark-infested waters. You stole my words almost exactly. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And, and, and ladies and gentlemen, we uh, she did, she and I did not speak about it. Yeah, but I, I feel like uh, you know, as we got to the end, you know, like Pump Fiction, Radio Free Tremaine, Shoeless Al, the undergraduate. It's like. Uh, they didn't seem too original. They start to become caricatures. You know, the fact that uh, they wanted to do this the spin-off attempt, like, I, it just seemed... I mean, again, I can think it was a strong episode, and I think we'll talk about the season rankings when we get to the, uh, to the end of this recording, but uh, it just felt like we were getting much closer into being into these shark-infested waters. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I The short answer is, for me, no, the, sh- the show did not sh- jump the shark. I was asked that about season seven, and I was asked that about season eight, and the answer is still no, but with an asterisk, because we are, it's, it's no, but, and like you say, we're, we're dipping our toe in the shark-infested waters. I think season nine, the first half started really well, and is probably better than the second half all, all, all around. Whether or not the first half was working harder to introduce new ideas, new characters, and also perhaps make up for the lack of peg in those first few episodes, I don't know. But the middle of the season is hit or miss, but mostly more, more hit than miss, I'm pleased to say, but from and Bingo was a game and, you know, Ship Happens, it's a really silly episode, but it's fun. But as being the bingo episode onwards, like you say, it doesn't fire on all cylinders for me. So still fun, still enjoyable. I put season nine sort of level with season eight in a lot of ways. Often group those two seasons together when we're talking about the show in general. So it has not jumped the shark yet. Right. Awesome. And, yeah, and Annabelle, you re- you mentioned before about influences of other '90s sitcoms. You know, I feel like, uh, and I mentioned this earlier, there was an influence of Seinfeld. Yes, that sort of brand of humor. Like, you know, Stephen Scott talks about how one of the things about Married with Children is you have more of like scene changes. 
it's like, you know, it's like a quick scene here and you move to the next scene and back, you know, and forth. Whereas opposed to, you know, we were used to them spending a lot of time in that living room. Mm. So that and, and just like the level of, I guess, the more overt, I don't know if you call it sarcasm, but, you know, sort of that's that, that Seinfeld way of setting up a joke, right? Yeah. Uh, and that, I'd say, was probably maybe one of the biggest influences that was hitting Married with Children at the time. But, I mean, but the flip side is Married with Children influenced so many TV shows, and I feel like they never really got credit for it because when you look back at 1987 in terms of what was on television, and now you look at what's on television in 1995, you'll see that, uh, you know, those uh, <laughs> perfect families with the... Uh, hug at the end and you know that moral lesson that they wag in your face you know that sort of starts to go away Mm. and you don't see as as much of that you know and obviously other shows like Roseanne had come along and you know they're still popular today and it's uh Connor's incarnation right yep (laughs) but um you know you can you can also start to see it's like well it was I mean again they didn't get an Emmy I think they were successful in being groundbreaking but uh you know uh, nothing lasts forever except for maybe the Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to the Connors, which has just come back for its fourth season with Katie Seagal. And they kicked off with a, a live episode. They're, they're, they're doing things that were popular in the 90s and the 2000s. And by doing live episodes, I'm not exactly sure why. But yeah, that's back. It's still going strong. And yeah, while you're talking about Seinfeld, it sort of reminded me in the mid '90s we were starting, we we're getting away from that family unit, and it was more about shows that are about groups of friends. There's literally a show called Friends. It's about that, but shows like Friends, like Seinfeld, so the dynamic was shifting quite strongly. So I suppose that was influencing the writing as well, and maybe that's why we get that's part of the reason why we get away from that family dynamic that I talk about sometimes and we end up focusing on Al and his friends or you know groups of other people uh, having new people come in yeah that, I mean that's that's a very small part of it I mean the writing styles are different as well but it's yeah that family that family thing is is rapidly fading at this point in time yeah, family sitcoms weren't as prominent. Um, well, after the early nineties, as, as a lot of a lot of us know. Uh, yes, and uh, back with with the Connors, I was actually at a friend's house uh, recently. Um, we were watching a bit of it late at night, and uh, yeah, not not too bad. And he saw a bit of the episode. Yeah, it was nice to see Katie Zagal again. Um, and st- still still amazing as ever. But uh, I just couldn't get couldn't get over how unwell John Goodman looked to me. I've got to say, Matt, in the first episode of the new season, he does look a lot better. I think because he's had a haircut finally and he's either lost more weight or he just looks happier or something. But he does look better now than he did last season. So hopefully if you see the the new season, he does look a lot better. And he and Katie Seagal, they're they're still together on the show. I mean, that's not a spoiler. They're just together. They're going to get married hopefully but yeah she's still on the show she's still a recurring special guest star they should just make her a regular now they should i mean um hopefully they can act longer than uh, john ritter and katie seagull did back in eight simple rules because um Aww. that partnership was cut way too short yeah way too short 
Well, you, you know, I, I also look at it from the perspective of, you know, look at the victory we, you know, Married with Children has uh, scored, right? I mean, <laughs> Roseanne was supposed to have been Peg Bundy, so now Peg Bundy is Roseanne. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's still a giant head fuck. It's just, it, it does my head in. <laughs> it's like, there was Peg, then there's Roseanne, and Roseanne tried out for the role of Peg, and now Roseanne gets fired from her own show, and now Peg's come in, and now Peg is the quote-unquote new Roseanne. It's... It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to censor yourself, right? We could throw a few F-bombs every so often, right? Yeah, well, Tyler does. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I always appreciate it when we heard it from Jamie, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll leave it to you. Whoever's editing, they can cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of shows uh, we could talk about until the end of time. But we're focusing on season nine of Married with Children. But I think we've discussed the show as bad as much as we can at this point. So why don't we go into the podcast-specific episodes? Perhaps we've got one, two, or, or three favorite podcast episodes we want to mention. Matt, what are some of your favorite podcast episodes of this season? Okay. Now, podcast episode. Oh, it's just... just it was one of the later ones, but uh, I have to say, uh, Shoeless Owl, a little bit biased because, uh, well, you know, it's, uh, the, the amazing production of the whole pu- The Legend of Puggy Weaver with the operatic music. Uh, <laughs> thank, thank you, Luigi. Yes, that was an amazing touch. Uh, my injection of uh, the Pokemon rivalry of Ash Ketchum and Gary Oak, which I mentioned is the, um, well, the Japanese anime equivalent of uh, Al Bundy and Puggy Weaver, respectively. In a way, that's how I'd explain it to my friends who haven't seen Married to Children, because most of my friends know what Married to Children is, in a large part because of me, but quite a few of them haven't seen it. So that's definitely one of my favourite podcast episodes. Yeah, so this, I mean, obviously I, I, do, I, I do do enjoy generally listening to most of the episodes in general. I also give a sh- stressful shout out to Shoe to Heaven, uh, in part because I was summoned for that uh, very last minute on a, on a hot summer's morning here in Australia back in December of 2020. And uh, I think you or Chris, can't remember who, is like, hey, you up? You want to come on the podcast? I'm like, oh yeah, sure. And I jumped on and uh yeah did it so that i give a shout out to that one for me doing it uh last last my contribution last minute so those would be my two favorite podcast episodes off the top of my head and also oh kelly takes a shot um simple because of the um well just talking about them um, archery and the like and uh, what went there that uh yeah so and another shout out to the production on dud bowl so there's my favorites very good very good uh, Luigi, what are your favorite podcast episodes? I, I might be able to predict which is your favorite, but we'll see. Okay, well, I mean, one thing I'll point out to the uh, to our listeners is that, uh, you know, when you hear usually like a two-hour podcast and uh, <laughs> and it's it's fully produced and it has, you know, music and clips and, you know, maybe some little anecdotes and stuff that's added into it. You know, that takes, uh, you know, I never really appreciated how much work Alex did until I had to do the work myself. But on average, I would say it takes about eight hours to produce a an, a podcast episode. You know, this is, so after we record, you know, so let's say this is about an hour and a half recording or so. Uh, by the time we get to the end, or up to two hours, because we generally do talk a lot. <laughs> it take it takes that much time to produce, so it it is a lot of work, and it is uh, it can be a chore. But there are certain podcasts that I enjoy, and 
And it might just be the content or some of that, or maybe some of the callback clips that we add. But uh, my favorites, and uh, not that I'm biased, but uh, I just think because they were like a, a lot, they had a lot of content in them. That I really enjoyed working on. And you know, and sometimes what happens is either I work on them, or maybe somebody from the team, like Matt or Annabelle or Stephen, will produce a podcast, and I just sort of you know check it for any any potential mistakes that we make and maybe add a few flourishes as Annabelle calls a chef's kiss, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, these are my t- these are my favorites for season nine. I also have a special uh, shout out uh, at the end. Well, I have a, also have a special honorable mention, but I'd say Shoeless Al is number three. Uh, that was uh, the whole Puggy Weaver thing, that little segment. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And again, I had to sort of tie back to, you know, the legend of Puggy Weaver, uh, who I feel, again, is my operatic character in this. You know, we should have had a death scene, you know, <laughs> with him choking on the waffles. Yes. And, you know, that would have, I think, I think made it. I mean, even to the little touches of, like, adding his uh, the Puggy Weaver cup and uh, a little memorial to him on the title card. I mean, that was uh, funny for me. Uh, just to do, again, very tongue-in-cheek. I mean, I th- we, you have to all realize we do this tongue-in-cheek, right? Number two would be No Pot to Peas In, just because it was such a meta episode. Sort of like working on that one, I was like, well, you know, we can't do this episode without having the Sanford and Son sort of almost side by side. And as well as, you know, the the discovery of the Carol Burnett clip of Don Rickles. Uh, that, you know, I, I mean, it was, it was a joy for me to do that particular episode, you know, and, and do the editing on that. And uh, last one uh, might be a surprise to you guys. I mean, it was one of our least favorite episodes, but it was, I think, my favorite podcast episode of all. That was Radio Free Tremaine. And, uh, of course, we got to have Jerry Herring on. It was the first time I ever spoke to Jerry. And, you know, I tried to make that episode sound like a radio station. You know, so I used uh, some effects that would mimic the effects of listening to radio DJs in my side of the country so we used like some reverb sound effects at the beginning and end and that's sort of you know just to mimic what the way a radio station would sound like in the new york city area which is what i'm used to i will say from a podcast episode who have to be also be the julia tablek interview i do want to mention as, as an honorable mention that one really didn't have a, a lot of production as much as a normal episode but you know we tried to get uh, sort of a feel as well as uh, you know for me, it was researching a little bit more about Juliet. Like, we see her as Amber, but uh, I also was able to get some clips of things that she had worked on. So we had some background music to In the Heat of the Night, uh, Nowhere Man, etc. So that was uh, that was nice, and you get to learn about someone that way as well. So I, I really appreciated doing that one. Great, yeah. Awesome. Um, I'd give the Juliet Tablack interview an honorable mention as well. It, and, you know, it's one of our most listened to podcasts for a reason, well, for several reasons, I think. I too, uh, there's, look, there's no podcast episodes that I don't like. I like them all, honestly. And I too like Sheila Sow and Radio Free Trumaine. I think I'll go with my top pick as No Pot to Peas In. Just for, for all the reasons you, you two have mentioned, I mean, there's a lot of content and a lot of things to discuss, a lot of s- extra bits that we could throw in there as well. And Luigi, you were just so enthusiastic to, to get going on that one and, and you had this vision of how it was going to look and 
the same with Shu Lasau, who just <laughs> so enthusiastic. And then I was, I was just looking forward to listening to it when it was all put together. And, you know, with the whole Sanford and Son and the Don Rickles stuff, I mean, all that extra content is great. And we've just got so much stuff that we can ask people about in the future and refer them back to a complete podcast if they so desired to listen to. Another personal favourite, I think, Driving Mr. Boondy. It's not an episode that stands out per se, but I think after uh, season eight, where I edited all that I recorded except for one, and then in season nine, I said, oh, okay, look, Matt, you're going to have to start editing because I'm just not going to have the time. And so between us, Matt and I did that one together. We went back and forth. Matt edited the bulk of it, and then I added, I was able to add some personal touches to it because I've got some audio clips of Christina Applegate talking about A, the Verminator, B, why she cut her hair, just little things like that I could slot into that episode. And again, um, I like the Kelly Texas Shot episode as well. I, I just knew I wanted to start that off with the, the William Tell Overture and have that feature in some way. But like I say, I like all the episodes, but they're, they're sort of the ones that stick out in my mind, but no pot to piece, and it's probably... Uh, it's my top pick episode, it's probably my, and my top pick podcast episode too. So Nice! You know, I got to thank Alex. So recently I saw Alex, uh, our, our leader, Alex Edwards, in person, and I got to speak to him for a few minutes. And, um, you know, it was one of the things, you know, sort of we were comparing notes about uh, the podcast. And he says he's been listening to all of them. He listens to them every week. I said to him, it's like, Alex, it's like when I, it's like when we do the podcast, like I, like as we're talking about the episode, like for myself, at least, it's like I'm almost like playing like a, a film in my head. It's like I can almost picture. It's like, oh, this is where I'm going to break. This I'm going to insert this clip. I think I need some music here, and that's how he say he says it. He said like that's his experience in terms of how he does it. And I've listened to other podcasts. You know, now I, I was I can't say I was much of a podcaster or podcast listener uh, before I found this podcast, but uh, I've been listening to other podcasts out there. I mean, it's really true. Like we as a group do a hell of a lot more work than anybody else. I mean, I listen to some Seinfeld podcasts, uh, a couple of other shows, and it's like, it's very, it's just more dialogue. Hmm. And you, know, you really don't get like the feel for it. But like, you know, we add commercials, we add like the background music, we have, you know, the, the little DJ segment that comes in, you know, if there's specific music that's played on the episode. So uh, we try to do it again, hopefully we don't get in trouble for it. But we just do that to just try to set a mood and, you know, try to bring people back. It's like, hey, do you remember what this sounded like the first time you watched it or the first time you saw it? You know, particularly for the, for those of us who watch the show first run. So you know, part of it is to try to get back to that sound. And I remember, like, I think the first time it sort of came to my mind was in season eight, the first episode that I uh, did with Chris Gunter. Like, it was a Budweiser commercial, Proud to Be Your Bud. And it's like, like finding, you know, you go on YouTube and you actually find the original commercial that aired in 1994 and you get the audio for it. And it's like, wow, it's like, yeah, I remember that commercial. And it's, it's the nostalgic element that we try to add in here and we hope you all appreciate it. And it is a lot of work. And I will say, just for you, Annabelle, the, uh, you know, we had the idea of doing a little tribute to you and William when you got married. So we added that intro to Kelly Breaks Out. And uh, just thinking about it, I was like, okay, what's the proper song? And I was like, well, you know, we could put love in marriage and, you know, and that's pretty typical. Then I was like, no, like, 
Alan Pegg's wedding song is it's only just begun. Like we've only just begun. So I'm like, that's the perfect one to put in as background. And again, and finding an instrumental piece so that, you know, it would flow. And I think it came out really good. So those are, uh, those are sort of my re- remembrances of uh, producing season nine. It was the perfect song. I've got to say, I was going to mention that podcast. I honestly couldn't remember if it was Kelly Breaks Out or... or no, it had to be, yeah. So, yeah, because I, I, I put in um, a, a reply, a response to that in the anniversary episode in 25 years and what do you get just thanking all of you for that because it was so unexpected and so sweet and I absolutely loved it and yeah, that was the perfect song to put under there and that did get played at our wedding we did we did not dance to it but it was played um in background while we were having dinner we didn't dance to it we danced to a song from a mighty wind called kiss at the end of the rainbow if you're not familiar with that or yes i I remember that yes but i was gonna say when we've only just begun started to play did that freeze uh williams innards solid (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) well not yet but he listened to he listened to that tribute as well, and he was he was very touched about that, and I think he because um, he, he's a fan of the Carpenters, he likes uh, a few of their songs, so he probably likes that song. And he didn't actually mention the song; he just thought the the whole thing was very sweet. Yeah, we we're both very touched about that. So thank you for that; that was really nice. And if you'd used "Love and Marriage," that would have been the music that we that I walked down the aisle to. So I think I preferred "We Only Just Begun" for this particular thing. So, Gold Star. It's well picked. Right, so um, there's some of, they're our favourite f- podcast episodes. And while we're on the topic of podcasts, we have already mentioned that there is one Hall of Fame podcast in this season, in season nine, and that is Naughty But Nice. Round of applause for Naughty But Nice. There's a few other episodes that have come close, but that is the only Hall of Famer. Uh, it's going to be very interesting if season 10 has any at all. I think season 8 had two at least, maybe three. So we've gone from two or three to one now. Let's see what the future holds. But Luigi, you're the pers- best person to speak about the podcast-specific stuff. So I just, I'll give you a shout-out to a couple of our few of our loyal listeners. Uh, we've got Vincent T, who's a fellow Australian. And there's there's Carl, a.k.a. Mr. Wildcat. And there's Lou Jones, who we've mentioned before. And I just want to give a shout out to our guest hosts as well. And I'll start by thanking Steve Owen. He's our Australian co-host. And you will hear from him again in season 10. We have just recorded an episode with him. So you will hear from Steve again. And yeah, Luigi, you can talk about your other various co-hosts and and any any other people you want to mention. Sure. So we have Alyssa, and uh, we were introduced to Alyssa in season eight, and she did a two-part business sucks and talked about breastfeeding. So we thought it'd be good to have a mother on uh, on the show, and she was great. And uh, she has a her own podcast, uh, uh, which is called When TV Was Great, uh, which you guys should check out. Stephen and Tyler had a segment from Christine Pa, or PA, who is one of our loyal fans from Germany. And uh, she talked about uh, that uh, Dial B for Virgin episode. She, were, they were, she wasn't able to be on the podcast, but we had a little uh, segment from her. Then there's Carolyn, who 
we also were introduced to in season eight, and she's also been a loyal listener. Annabelle knows Carolyn for many years. She was part of those uh, Married with Children bulletin boards back in the uh, early 90s. So she's been around and she knows all the greats, uh, including uh, Andreas, Carl, who runs Bundiology. And we hope to get Andreas on at some point as well to talk about that. Because I think that's, I, I don't think you can talk about Married with Children and watching the show in its first run without you know discussing sort of what the fandom was doing back in those days. I mean, nowadays you have Wikipedia, you have lots of stuff out on the internet, but uh, in the early days, particularly in 1996, 1997, the only internet content that you found out there was stuff, you know, these bulletin boards and stuff that you started posting back in the day, Annabelle. <laughs> so so uh, we've been around a while. <laughs> uh, then we have, um, let me see. So obviously the great Jerry Herring, has been on uh, twice this uh, season, and that was a real treat to have him on, as particularly for the last uh, Steve Rhodes episode, which is Radio Free Tremaine. Of course, you know, shout out to Alex. Uh, he was supposed to be in No Pot to Peas In, but he got called away. Literally, we started recording and he had to run, but uh, he did do a last uh, word segment for us, which uh, was much appreciated. And we hope that he'll reappear for us in season 10 and 11. He did say to me that he will be here for the end. So oh, cool. um, he, will, awesome. he, he will be with us for the at the end of season 11. So looking forward to that, not looking forward to that. <laughs> but all good things will come to an end. And we are on track to complete this podcast by the end of next year. Uh, barring any major changes in schedules or maybe if uh, we got a slew of uh, of uh, guest stars to come onto the podcast, <laughs> maybe that might extend it a little bit. Again, you guys mentioned Steve Owen. I have my friend Crazy Mike from Staten Island who was on our podcast uh, for user-friendly, and that was very appropriate, a fourth-generation electrician who had to comment on the B-plot in uh, that uh, episode. So... So looking forward to uh, season 10 and thank you to all of our guest co-hosts and thank you to our, some of our loyal listeners who comment every week. I mean, we'd love to get more comments from all of you. I know some people sometimes just, uh, you know, maybe drop a comment every so often, but uh, Vincent, Carl, and Lou seem to do it very con uh, consistently. So thank you for listening. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and another uh, thing I'd like to point out, so uh, we moved on to a new Podbean feed back in November of 2020. So originally, the Married with Children podcast was on the Horophilia feed. And uh, since then, all of our content, which was on Horophilia, was moved over to, to Podbean under our own account. And since then, we have gotten 15,000 downloads and this is as of the end of uh, September of 2021 so that's one hell of a uh, accomplishment and that is just that does not include our YouTube numbers so uh, when you add our YouTube numbers it's about double so we get about 30,000 downloads over that period of time I mean we'd have to go back and tally up what's uh, you know our historic YouTube numbers going back to 2017 but uh, you know, for the little po we're the little podcast that could, I guess. Yes. Uh, so thank you for all of our listeners uh, worldwide. And it's amazing to see where some some of you are listening from. I mean, from all corners of the world, from pretty much from like the southern tip of South America to Russia 
to some island out in the Pacific. Uh, it's just amazing that people want to listen in and, uh, you know, even listen for a few minutes on our show. Very good. Matt, is there anything you want to add to any of that or has, has there been any feedback that you've received? Okay, so uh, a few people I know uh, have listened to it, like one of my colleagues, Shan, thank you for listening uh, to the Married to Children podcast, I uh, appreciate your support, and also to my Uncle Gary over in Spain, uh, that you, I know you listen as well, uh, so whoever, whoever out of my friends, family, colleagues, acquaintances, whoever listens to the show, thank you, thank you very much. I made a shout out to you all in my last promo for um, the season, season 9 episode just the other day, and for Shula's hour. Uh, where I called everyone's names because uh, quite a few my, quite a few people I know have joined the group. Yes, I don't know how I don't know if all of them have actually seen Married or Children, but just nice to have all your support. So uh, thank you all very much, and I'm looking forward to being a part of this in season ten and season eleven. I'll just say when we get to the end of season eleven, I'm going to feel a bit sad. Yeah, I think it's going to be a bit of sweet. But you know, we will have a complete. I guess the way you know the way we describe this to Alex, we're, we will have a complete. series for Married with Children. We couldn't let this uh, end at the end of season seven. Although I'll tell you, like, I would have loved to have been reviewing these episodes, you know, in season three, four, and five episodes, right? Some of my favorites, but I've grown an appreciation for these later seasons by doing the podcast. Yeah, um, there's a few episodes I'd love to go back in time and do either with them or, or, or again, or us or whatever. But if we ever do video commentaries again, if that ever became a thing, I would, there's an episode that I'd love to do with Jamie, and that's Rock and Roll Girl from season four, because I've got some additional information for that episode now, and I know that Jamie's a big fan of that episode, and I think it just might be interesting just to chat with her about it. So if we ever get the chance, either something like that, you know, some sort of retrospect, or that's that's an episode I would do. Nice. Hello, Mary with Children podcast fans. I'm Steven. I couldn't join the whole gang for the season nine wrap-up show. And I really wanted to comment on it because of the latter season, season nine is my favorite. There were a lot of strong episodes this season. I thought this was a big rebound from last season, not just because Steve returns twice, which was epic in itself, but also because that I thought the writing was stronger. I thought there was more payoffs at the end. Uh, a few notes I put in there. First of all, I love Steve returning twice. Although he was hit by the pitch in Radio Free Tremaine, but he knocked it out of the park in Get the Dodge Out of Hell. That was a perfect 200th episode. That is Steve to the core. Also, we had a lot of new characters, and Griff was my favorite. I thought he was a great comic relief in working with Al. And if you got Griff, Al, and Jefferson together, that was pure comic gold. They play so well off each other, it's amazing. Another recurring character I really liked was Beverly Fletcher as Miss Hardaway in Dial B for Virgin. I thought she was hilarious. She played that part well. I know some people don't consider her a recurring character, but we will see her next year in season 10. And I can't wait to review that one with uh, Tyler. I wish they could have used her some more. Maybe if they had put her in, I think, uh, user-friendly, because that's uh, 
that was one that dealt with the university and who better than to oversee such a project or finance it than the founder of the Virgin Hotline at Tremaine University. <laughs> so that's a thought there. Now let's talk about my favorite hot babes. No, Ms. Hardaway is not one of them. But here are the three hottest babes, I thought. Elaine Hendricks on User Friendly. Brandy Lanford, the naked and the dead, but mostly the naked. And finally, Dawn Eason in Pump Fiction. I thought she was beautiful. Now for the worst episodes. Number three is The Undergraduate. That was one of the worst season enders for Married with Children ever. Probably even worse than the final episode of uh, season 11. Of course, we didn't know it was going to be a season closer. They found out later it was canceled. Number two is Kelly Breaks Out. The characters were just going through the motions. The writing was flat. And my number one of the worst episodes was Radio Free Tremaine. It was uninspired. The writing was horrible. I hated the trying to do a backdoor spinoff and butchering the character of Steve Rose. David Garrison deserved a lot better than what he got for his final grand exit out of Married with Children. Now, for my best episodes, I want to give three honorable mentions. One was user-friendly. I loved it at the end when Bud is ogling the chimp. I think that goes back to season six. I think it was Psychic Avengers, and that's when they were all turned into chimps at the end. So I thought that was a good payoff joke at the end. I always like good payoff jokes at the end. Something Larry This Way Comes, I also really enjoyed that one. I love Larry Storch because he doesn't take himself seriously and was so laid back. And Al just was, that was the one person he wanted to meet. I thought that was great. And speaking of not taking yourself seriously, no pot to peas in. That was fantastic. I love that. It was just so meta. They realized what they were doing. They were going to poke fun at themselves. And again, I like that payoff joke at the end where some woman in Michigan didn't like it and it got canceled. But now for my favorite episodes. Number five, Business Sucks, part one. I love that one. You can't get it better than Alan Griff working against a common enemy. Marcy Rhodes Darcy. Number four is Pump Fiction, another great payoff joke at the end. Al doesn't care. He just got himself into shoe news. Number three is Ship Happens, part two. I like that one better than part one. I was looking back at the ratings, and I thought I gave that one a 4.5 as well. But I guess maybe I made a mistake, or maybe someone made a mistake in putting it in. I don't know. But aside from Gilbert Gottfried being the a guest star there, who I thought was wonderful. He was also the payoff joke at the end. Al thinks he's rid of him, and he comes back at the end. Another great payoff joke. Number two is get the Dodge out of hell. You couldn't ask for anything better than the return of Steve Rhodes. I do kind of wish you would have interacted with the family, but that's okay. And not a great payoff joke, but a great, I don't know how you put it, homage to how Al does love his family. He has that picture of them in the trunk. And my number one, of course, would be Dial B for Virgin. That was hilarious. I love the fact that Bud it gets embarrassed again, and it goes from worse to bad to even worse. It's 
<laughs> you know, he's pictures are on the side of a bus. He was in a newspaper with his you know, advertising, call me at the Virgin hotline. And I think the best part, though, was seeing at the end how Al and Peg do love each other. So hang in tight, guys. There's going to be a season 10. We're going to get through it together, and we're going to review some great episodes and some not-so-great episodes. So until then, remember, whoa, Bundy. Hello, everyone. Chris Gunter here, and I wanted to stop by for a moment to give you my final thoughts on season 9. Now, if you've followed some of the episodes that I've reviewed this season with uh, Luigi and then on occasion with Annabelle and Matt, as well as Tyler and Steven, you've probably heard me refer to Season 9 as the beginning of the third and final act of Married with Children. And what I mean by that is when I'm looking at the different seasons of the show, I look at Seasons 1 through 5 as being the first act. And then I look at seasons 6 through 8 being Act 2, and then seasons 9, 10, and 11 being the third act. And, of course, season 9 would be the beginning of that third act. Now, conventional wisdom, when you're looking at Married with Children as a whole, is that Act 1 has the best writing of the series. And I would agree with that. Uh, I, I think the show was in its prime, seasons 1 through 5, with five being my personal favorite. And then the conventional wisdom is that the third act of the show, seasons nine through 11, has the weakest writing of the series. And while I will agree with that to an extent, I will say that for what season nine lacks in writing, it more than makes up for in characters. Uh, one of the great things about season nine to the end is that we get introduced to some of the most prominent support characters in the show's history. And if you don't believe me, all you have to do is go to any Married with Children fan group, whether it be on Facebook or Instagram or some other message board, and ask everyone, who are your favorite characters on the show? And by characters, of course, we're excluding any member of the Bundy family and we're also excluding any member of you know uh, that has the name last name Darcy or Rhodes, <laughs> we're ju we're just talking about support characters here. If you if, but if you were to go to any fan group and ask them to name their favorite characters, they're most likely going to give you names like Griff, Amber, Gary, Bob Rooney, Ike, Officer Dan, Miranda Veracruz de la Hoya Cardinal, and so on and so forth. Now, I'll ask you, what do all those characters have in common? Well, the answer is easy. They were all either introduced or first became prominent in Season 9. And then um, a good handful of them carried on, you know, for the remainder of the series. And I'll talk about the, each one of those uh, briefly here. I don't want to spend too much time on it, on just the character portion of this, but I did want to touch on them. First on Griff, he ended up being in 44 episodes in uh, Married with Children, believe it or not, and he was introduced in Season 9. Uh, Luigi and I touched on, on him uh, quite a bit earlier on in Season 9. Married with Children, uh, actually in Season 8, made a, a fairly obvious attempt to get Al a African-American uh, sidekick at the shoe store. And they first introduced Dexter. Uh, Luigi calls him the one-hit wonder. 
And uh, Dexter was good, but he lasted one episode. Uh, then we met Aaron, uh, who ended up being in five episodes. Aaron was good as well. However, the missing dynamic there that didn't make sense was that Aaron was too young to be Al's to be good friends with Al. You know, Al's a guy in his 40s. It doesn't make sense for his best friend at work to be 18. So in season nine, we get Griff. And I got to say, the people who make the decisions behind the scenes made the right decision with Griff. Griff was brilliant. He and Ed O'Neill, by the way, Griff's name is Harold Sylvester, the actor who plays Griff. He and Ed O'Neill had great chemistry from day one. The on-screen chemistry between Griff, Al, and Jefferson was brilliant. Any scenes with those three in it was always laugh out loud funny. I'm so glad that we got Griff when we did. And he ended up being a very prominent character from, from this point forward, appearing in 44 episodes. Next up is Amber, played by Juliette Tablack. And Luigi and myself got the distinct honor of uh, interviewing her. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to check out that interview yet, be sure to check it out here on the podcast. It's hard to believe Amber was only in four episodes because they're all memorable. Her first appearance, Naughty But Niece, is uh, one of my favorite episodes in the entire series. I gave that one a five when we reviewed it. Uh, with uh, I believe we joined Team Australia for that review, if I remember correctly. But um, the scene, the bedroom scene, where Juliet climbs into the window and and um, Bud is uh, giving her a massage. That's one of my favorite Bud scenes in the whole series. Uh, the the you know the exchange where she goes, "Your hands are so strong, especially the right one." Do you work out? <laughs> that was so funny, man. I, no matter how many times I uh, watch that, I die laughing. And if you listen to the interview with Juliet Tablack, she actually said that's her first her favorite scene. Of her appearances and ironically she didn't even get the joke someone had to explain it to her but <laughs> everyone that laughs at that but I love her character it's a shame that we only got uh, got to see her in four episodes but they're all memorable and that scene the bedroom scene there is one of my favorite bud scenes in the series probably 1a and 1b with uh, mysteries of Skull Island when bud jumps out of the plane that was back I believe in season six if I'm not mistaken but uh, moving on, uh, the next character I wanted to talk about was Gary. That's Al's boss at the shoe store. I think that was a brilliant idea to make Gary a woman. The dynamic between Al and Gary is great. We all know Al, let's say, loathes women who are um, either on the heftier side or, um, in the words of Al, not me, but in the words of Al, look like men. <laughs> you might say Gary falls into that category. Al might say that. So I think it was brilliant to make Al's boss a woman. And uh, we see Gary in a number of episodes in seasons 9, 10, and 11. And uh, she always does great. Her appearances are always wonderful. Next up is Miranda Veracruz de la Hoya Cardinal. And we get introduced her to her in the uh, Business Still Sucks Part 1 episode, and uh, <laughs> she was played by Teresa Parente, and she's brilliant because it's funny because most characters on shows, you know, they're remembered for a catchphrase or a saying that they have or a tagline. Miranda's catchphrase is just simply saying her name, <laughs> and she says it in a very quick, I believe, Ecuadorian accent. I'm going to call that Ecuadorian if someone listening can 
knows better, feel free to correct me. But uh, Teresa Parente was uh, brilliant in that role. And she becomes um, a beloved character throughout season 9, 10, and 11 from this point on in the show. Next up is our No Man members, Bob Rooney, Ike, and Officer Dan. And I will point out that I'm aware that Bob Rooney and Officer Dan are seen earlier in the series. However, it's really season nine that they become prominent. And while I'm while we're talking about No Man, I wanted to ta- uh, point out the fact that you know I mentioned earlier that the the writing isn't quite as strong in the third and final act from seasons nine through eleven. However, one of the things that really gives the show more gas and and pushes it through to the end through season 11 is these new characters that are introduced the second thing is no ma'am's existence now we saw no ma'am twice in season eight but it really becomes prominent in season nine no ma'am is another thing that if you go to any married with children fan group whether it be on facebook or instagram or any message board and ask them hey what are your what's one of your favorite things about married with children a good number of people particularly men are going to say they love no ma'am you know and i can vouch for that i have a no ma'am t-shirt here at my house and uh, bob rooney ike and officer dan are a big part of that along with al and jefferson of course and grift as well to an extent so and I'm aware that we saw Dan Tullis way back in the first act, but of course he became prominent in season nine. So let's see, what's up next? So I spoke about favorite characters, and I spoke about the No Man members. Next up, we have favorite episodes and least favorite episodes. Let, let's do least favorite episodes first, and then we'll end on a high note. My least favorite episode in this in season nine, without a doubt, is unfortunately the season wrap up episode, the undergraduate. Uh, just putting it nicely, the, the episode is just not very good. The writing is not strong. The story and the, just the synopsis is not very good. Kelly has a secret admirer who's a twelve year old rich kid. And I don't know. It just never really went anywhere with me. It's kind of a shame, too, because uh, we actually get a on-screen appearance by the Duchess of Sussex, Meghan Markle. <laughs> so it's a shame that the episode wasn't any better than what it was. Uh, it would be interesting to talk to Meghan if we could ever get an interview with her and, and, and see some of her memories of, you know, some behind-the-scenes things with Married with Children. So we'll uh, we'll get on that and see if we can get the Duchess to join us sometime. <laughs> uh, that's my least favorite episode. If I were to try to name another least favorite, if you force me to, I would probably say Radio Free Trumaine. Although, to be fair, I, I do actually kind of like that one <laughs> compared to a lot of people. But if I'm comparing it, uh, you know, if I'm stacking it up against uh, some of the other episodes in the series, I would probably rank it much lower. So now, let's look at my favorite episodes of Season 9. My fifth one, and I'm going to do my top five here for this. My fifth favorite episode is No Pot to Peas In. I think this was a brilliantly fun episode because at this point in the series, Married with Children had become a part of pop culture. It had been on the air for nine seasons. You saw spoof summit on The Simpsons. Uh, you saw Ed O'Neill appearing on Saturday Night Live. Married with Children was definitely a part of pop culture. So I think the No Pot to Peace in was a, a, um, 
brilliant, brilliantly fun way to make fun of the show and in in in, in, uh, in a lighthearted fashion, of course. My fourth favorite episode of season nine is Sleepless in Chicago. This was a brilliant idea, and I gotta say, just the thought of Al having to quote unquote sleep with Marcy, <laughs> that's enough to make me tune in right there. I don't need to know anything else about the episode to know it's gonna be good. If Al and Marcy are sleeping together, even if it's just lying down next to each other for a few hours, you know it's gonna be good. My third favorite episode of season nine is Business Still Sucks, part one. Uh, that was an episode that uh, Luigi and I reviewed together early on in season nine. I believe the first time we ever see Al and Griff on screen together. Griff had been in an earlier episode of the season, but I think that's the first time we ever see them on screen together. It was very good. It was a very hilarious episode. Uh, that's also the first time we're introduced to Miranda's character, which I already touched on. Fortunately, part two of Business Still Sucks was not quite as strong as the first one, but I did really, really like uh, the uh, Business Still Sucks part one. My second favorite episode of season nine is Get the Dodge Out of Hell. This was a very, very good episode. I like the fact that they brought back uh, Steve's character one last time. Uh, we got to see David Garrison and... Uh, Marcy and uh, Jefferson on screen together, going back and forth with each other. It's a shame Steve didn't have much interaction with the Bundys themselves, really. In fact, I don't think he had any interaction with them. But the episode still was very good. And I really liked the ending of the episode where it's not Biggins, Peg. It's not Biggins in the trunk. And he opens up the trunk and there's Biggins. But there's also a family photo of uh, Al's family. Yeah, I, I touch on this all the time, how it's important to point out that despite the way Al acts and, and, and his struggles in life and so on and so forth, he does really love his family. And he proves that on many, many occasions. And this is one of them. I, it, it's not often I tear up when I'm watching a Married with Children episode. Usually I'm laughing so hard. But when Al pulled that photo, family photo out of the trunk there, at the end of uh, Get the Dodge Out of Hell, I actually teared up a little bit. That was a great way to end up the, to, to uh, tie up the end of that episode. Now, my favorite episode of Season 9, if you've listened to me much this season, you probably won't be surprised by this, but it is, drumroll please, Naughty But Nice. I love this episode. We get introduced to Amber's character, the first of her four appearances, and... To me, this is 1A and 1B with uh, Mystery of Skull Island as Bud's best moment in the whole series. I love it. It's hilarious. The you know the scene where they're, they're sitting on the couch and Bud goes, So, now that you've showered and lotioned up and eating a banana in front of me. <laughs> what next? You know, Juliet spoke about that in the interview. She couldn't believe they actually put a banana pill on the coffee table. <laughs> so that along with the bedroom scene. I, I love that episode. Uh, you know, you're rooting for Bud there. And uh, I think that's a moment, uh, you know, the bedroom scene. That's one of those moments that um, I think probably every guy at some point in their life has had that fantasy where they're just sitting in, in, you know, sitting in bed in their bedroom and a woman as beautiful as Amber crawls in their uh, window. <laughs> so 
I love that episode, and that's my favorite one of Season 9. Let me know what you think down in the comments, and I'll wrap up by saying this. I really like Season 9. I, I feel like you don't really start to see the series begin to run out of gas until Season 10 and 11, uh, but we'll discuss that when we get there. But I think Season 9 introduced two things that gave the show just enough gas to make it to the end of Season 11. And the first thing was the characters I spoke of. And the second thing was No Ma'am. And we're going to see a lot more of the characters. Uh, for the most part, we'll see a lot more of those characters. And we'll see a lot more of No Ma'am throughout Season 9, 10, and 11. And overall, I really enjoyed season nine. I felt felt it was very strong. And uh, the characters in No Ma'am that I mentioned made up for the lack of writing. And uh, I really enjoyed reviewing with uh, Luigi. I enjoyed being his, uh, his co-host. And of course, I enjoyed um, joining Annabelle and Matt and uh, Steven and Tyler when I had the chance. And uh, I'm really looking forward to season 10. We have a couple of surprises in store for our listeners that I think we're really going to enjoy. And we have a couple of other things that uh, we're working on as well. We'll keep that a surprise for now. But trust me, you're going to want to tune in for season 10 because we got a lot of things to look forward to. Until then, Chris Gunter out. Hey, Marywood Children listeners. This is Tyler, your wonderful host that could not make it to the amazing season 9 wrap-up show that our wonderful podcast hosters did schedules being what they are it's very hard to get us all on one microphone as you would say these days and again that's my fault i've also been a little under the weather however this show means a lot to me the fans mean a lot to me and my friends my fellow hosts mean a lot to me as well so i'm creating my own little segment so let me go through so season nine I've had a lot of thoughts about it, and I have to say, my theory, and I just did a little recording for season 10 with Annabelle and Matt, ooh, you guys are going to have to wait to find out which one, though, but I let them know that my theory about season 9 was that the cast and crew seemed to believe that the, and again, this is all my own it's all going on in my own head here. I've got no research to back this up. But I do believe that they thought that the show was going to end. Whether it was going to go out with a bang, or was going to get pulled, or canceled, or somebody was going to leave. Regardless, I had a feeling in my mind that the show thought it was on its way out. So that's why we had such awesome episodes like... Um, Psycho Dad and Dud Bowl and not-so-good episodes like Kelly Breaks Out and uh, The Undergraduates. Fun episodes to talk about, but not good. Um, so there was a lot of hits and a lot of misses, but a lot of... and a lot more goofy things happening throughout the entire uh, run of the show. Now, there were good moments, of course... But this tends to happen in shows where the show gets into a rut and kind of loses track. So 
that's where I'm going with this idea that they thought it was going to be over. Which, if this is true, is making me very excited to take on season 10, because if that's true, that means they're caught with the pants down and they got to keep making two more seasons. But uh, that's just my own theory, and I'm curious to know what other listeners might think. Um, but to go through, I guess we're going to, I guess I would have to say, I haven't listened to the wrap up show myself, the one that's already been recorded. So I'm going to do my own thing here. I'm going to give my, uh, my personal favorite episode, my least favorite episode, and then one of my, uh, one of my favorite, uh, um, let's say my favorite one to talk about because I think that would be a good way to look at it my favorite one to talk about so for my least favorite episode is absolutely it's a tie between Kelly Breaks Out and The Undergraduate mainly and you guys could take a look back at at my recordings for this but it's all about how the episode is structured how characters are not utilized correctly um, jokes are brought in where they shouldn't be. And within the case of The Undergraduate, you've got a really good guest star that's not utilized well at all. And to make these kind of mistakes at this level is not good. So those are my two. <laughs> Gone. Now, my favorite would have to be I Want My Psycho Dad, Part 1 and Part 2 such a fun fun recording that was a tough recording to make too because we had to we did the recording um we did part one one week and then part two the next week which was the right way to do it but it was a little strange that was just a love child that was a that was a love child gift wrapped up for the fans and this show just went whole hog it was great and I guess the one that I loved to talk about would probably be Pump Fiction. Me and Steven just had a ton of fun with Pump Fiction. It was it was it was pretty good. Like I had a lot of they had fun movie topics in there and just me and Steven had a lot of fun with the jokes. Uh, again, the undergraduate was close to that because and Unfortunately, if I had chosen the undergraduate, that would just be because me and Steven got to do that in-house. And I'm pretty sure you listeners just heard that one and probably agree with it. We had a really good banter going back and forth. And I promise, I, I tell, I've, I've told Steven and I'll tell the rest of you right now, I promise that I will try to make my way out to good old Oklahoma. Go Suiters! And me and Stephen will try to record an episode in person again before the end of Married with Children's run. So, yeah, season nine, the beginning of the end, in my personal opinion. I think the show understood that. Yet, we still had a lot of great episodes with the characters giving it their all. Um, User-friendly. I'm always a big fan of computer uh stuff from the mid 90s pretty good part ones and part two we got your ship happens as well as the uh you know the psycho dad pretty great 
Um, Kelly, like I'm just scrolling through right now, um, and Kelly is uh, featuring headlining a lot of these episodes, and I quite enjoy them. And all in all, I would say out of a, let's see, I didn't really think of something when I started recording, but, and again, I'm kind of just going off the fly here, listeners. Um, I would say out of, I'll go with, I'll go with Al's touchdown for, he did four touchdowns in a single game out of four touchdowns in a single game. I'm going to give season nine, three touchdowns out of four. Uh, all in all, I had a lot of fun. And I think, quite frankly, this might be the, uh, with the exception of two episodes, I might be revisiting season nine a lot more in the future. So that, that wraps up my version of the season nine wrap up. And I am looking forward immensely into going into season 10. I've already done two episodes, got more on the horizon. And I can't wait to take this journey with you guys. I just wanted to give a special mention to Christina Applegate because a couple of months ago, as everybody knows, she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, with MS. And that sort of affected us, that sort of hit us with this oh that's it's it's very heartbreaking news to hear and i just wanted i mean in the very slight off chance that she's going to listen to our humble little podcast i just wanted to say look shout out to christina applegate we're thinking of you you can deal with this as you have other things in your life it's it's going to be a battle but you're certainly a girl who's going to tackle this head on we wish you all the best and we're thinking of you and just selfishly from one dancer to another i wish you nothing but the best health indeed absolutely and for those of you who don't know what multiple sclerosis is it is a potentially disabling disease of the brain and spinal cord in ms the immune system attacks the protective sheet that covers nerve fibers and causes communication problems between your brain and the rest of your body. Eventually, the disease can cause permanent damage or deterioration of the nerves. Signs and symptoms of MS vary widely and depend on the amount of nerve damage and which nerves are affected. Some people with severe MS may lose the ability to walk independently or at all, while others may experience long periods of remission without any symptoms. There's no cure for multiple sclerosis. However, treatments can help speed recovery from attacks, modify the course of the disease, and manage symptoms. We just wish Christina Applegate the best and hope that one day there will be a cure. And, and there's one more thing uh, we do want to talk about, which is our season ranking scores. Mm-hmm. So back in, at the end of season seven, I was talking to Alex about 
the scores. So at the end of each episode, we actually, you know, we all provide scores for what we thought on the episode. So I ended up creating spreadsheets for each season and coming up with an overall season score. So I took the average of everyone's scores, you know, for the episodes and sort of tallied them up. So this is what's interesting. So season one, uh, we have a score of 3.83. So again, we go on a scale from zero to five. So in those days, it was, you know, Alex, Jerry, and JP, you know, for seasons one and two. Um, so we had 3.83 for season one, 3.97 for season two, 3.86 for season three, 4.25 for season four, 4.26 for season five, 4.2 for season six, 4.2 also for season seven. Season eight's average is 3.98, and for season nine, it is 3.66. So from a scoring perspective, this season is the lowest scored season since season one, you know, in terms of all everyone's opinion. Now, I mean, it's it's not very scientific because technically the way that this, you know, I guess as Alex had originally intended it, he, Jerry and JP would have been doing this for five years, <laughs> you know, to get to the end of season 11. So at least you would have seen a little bit more uh, consistency, but it's unofficial. But I think it's sort of, as we've said, it's like, as we get into the later seasons, it starts to drop a little bit. It'd be interesting to see what those average scores are for season 10 and 11, but stay tuned and you'll find out. And what's in store for season 10? I'll read you the episodes in a minute, but there's a, there's a few things that is going to be going on. I think it's going to be an interesting season. So in season 10, we've got the following episodes to look forward to. Guess who's coming to breakfast, lunch and dinner? A shoe room with a view. Requiem for a dead briard. Reverend Al. How Blaine was my Kelly. The weaker sex. Flight of the Bumblebee, Blonde and Blonder, The Two That Got Away, Dud Bowl 2, Barely Men, Love Conquers Owl, I Can't Believe It's Butter, The Hood, The Bud and The Kelly, Part 1 and Part 2, Calendar Girl, The Agony and the Extra Sea, Spring Break, Parts 1 and Part 2, Turning Japanese, Al goes to the dogs, enemies, Bud hits the books, kiss of the coffee woman, torch song duet, and the jokes on Al. So next season, the bit of a mixed bag, I anticipate to say. Some interesting things happen, especially in the first few episodes. There's a very sad episode in episode three where there's a a big change to the Bundy family. And a new family member comes to stay. Is this going to be 7.2? Is it going to be better than 7? Worse than 7? I can't believe I'm saying his name so much. Uh, there might be some crew changes behind the scenes as well. And I think we've discussed a lot about Playmates, Playboy Playmates. I think, And we've already mentioned there's going to be a lot of them on season 10. Uh, when we come to do the season 10 wrap-up show, we'll, we'll just discover just how many. Whether or not we look up if they're foes nude, I'll, I'll leave that to the 
to the host's discretions. <laughs> well, well, we know they definitely pose nude. Right? Oh, yes. <laughs> all the play, the play <laughs> have. But I was, yeah, I was thinking about all the babes in general, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, there's a lot to look forward to in Season 10, either for the good or for the better. And we get uh, for the better or for the worse. And I say worse because there's the third of these spin-off attempts that's coming up. But I promise that we will try to make that podcast episode as entertaining as possible. There may be some alcohol involved. Who knows? Lots. Yeah. So, and what's in store for the podcast next season? I mean, more of the same, of course, but we've alluded to the fact that we've got another interview coming, and there's a couple more interviews that we're, we're trying to get going. I'm not going to say who because if we say it, it won't happen. But encourage you all to stay tuned to your favourite listening platform. So we have got some surprises in store. Um, again, I'll mention that at some stage, possibly between season 10 and 11, I'm going to get all the women together for a, a female roundtable of sorts. I've just been too busy to do it yet but that's certainly something that's in the pipeline whether I do it between or before season 10, uh, 11 or even after season 11 I'm not sure but it's something that might slot in between seasons there indeed stay tuned for season 10 which will kick off in a few weeks time thank you for listening thank you for your continued support of the podcast and we'll see you same Bundy time same Bundy channel